We can be found on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Like, share, subscribe, and leave us a comment down below. Now, on with the show. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Fucking thing. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Right. Fuck it. Death Holler is a horror cast created by two true horror fans to bring to the table your favorite horror films. Topics include, but are not limited to, historical horror, gore, the occult, and terror. Listener discretion is advised. We can get into the reasons for this, but uh, I feel like the second season, they, they hit kind of the sophomore slump that everybody kind of, you know, falls prey to. The story arc I thought was a little messy in this one. It was a lot of back and forth with the, the Church of Night. Ran, you know, Father Blackwood's trying to take control of it. He eventually does by assassinating the anti-pope, and then somehow I think he blames it on Zelda or gets hurt. Uh, you know, that that's who they blame it on. He takes over. He turns it into this misogynistic, you know, hellhole that it's only male witches all the time. And they, they've got that going on. They've got... Um, <clears throat> Sabrina's ultimate destiny is revealed during this season, and it feels like it's, I don't know, its it should have been the main arc, but then with the church being the focus, it kind of gets tacked onto the side where she's revealed to truly be actually the actual daughter of Lucifer in this season, and Lucifer's going around testing her, you know, telling her to burn down the school, you know, kind of playing on the, the myth of, Ab- you know, like the Bible story about Abraham, about, you know, it's like, why don't you burn it down? And like, she almost goes through with it, and right before she pulls, you know, the, the final punch, you know, he, he's like, okay, okay, that's enough, you know, it's one of those things. JK, JK. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he's trying to see if she's got you know, the, the temperament, the kind of, you know, what the disposition it takes to, to be the avatar of the end times that, that she's destined to be because it's revealed at the end of it, of the season, that she's actually uh, meant to be like the prophesized harbinger of the apocalypse. You know, it's the, the half witch, half, you know, I guess celestial, if you want to go that route. But anyways, so you've got all that with Sabrina. She gets killed partway through the season because there's also these angel witch hunters that are involved, and they're going after the church members. That convolutes the story a little bit. And then and then on top of all of that, we've got all of that plot that we're dealing with and not very many episodes, uh, not counting the fact that Lucifer eventually has to be trapped and Nick scratched his body, and, you know, that's that's the, how it ends. But you got all that plot. And you've got a whole arc, several episodes, I remember this going on, or at least it felt that way if it wasn't, Yeah. where Susie becomes Theo, which is fine. Oh, God. But this is the worst thing. This really, I mean, the season was, this this particular season was already overrun with plot. It had too much going on. And then you throw this in there and it is, it does not fit the story at all. It makes, it, there's parts that makes Theo out to be the villain, in my honest opinion, because she, he uses magic to not only get on the, 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 
the basketball team, which is ridiculous because if he couldn't get on there himself and he had to resort to magic, that kind of, I mean, if you're trying to, you know, come out with transgender empowerment and that sort of message, that is the opposite of that. I mean, that's relying yeah, on... it actually weakens the argument. Yeah, it's like, you know, he shouldn't have been on the team because he didn't have what it takes, but he used basically performance drugs or whatever to get on there if you want to, you know, the magical version of it. And then not only that, but he uses a spell to, like, break one of the jocks' legs and, like, a horrible, horrible break. Like, it is, it's, I mean, it goes beyond anything that Sabrina or any, I mean, actually, I, I think only the Weird Sisters might have done anything worse than any of the characters, and that was in the first season. And, you know, they were supposed to be the bad guys. So, I mean, it, there's there's just nothing about this story arc that, that I felt like fit, the, you know, what was going on around it. It, it was kind of shoehorned in. It was overly, you know, I don't know, political, if you want to say that, or, you know, or, you know that kind of thing. And it, if, if it had just gelled with, with what was going on around it, if it felt more natural, if it didn't actually make the character look both weak and desperate, it would, and, and it would have amounted to something in the long run, which we'll get into later, I, I would have been okay with it. But this... Yeah. This is probably the thing that stands out for me most in my mind whenever I remember this season. And, and I just, it's, I'm just going to be, you know, spoiler alert. It's my, I hate this season. Uh, of all the ones in here, I think it's <laughs> one of the worst. And it's just because it's just a jumbled mess. It's throwing, it's trying to get that social agenda issue out there when it really don't fit the, the narratives. I mean, you've already got in this, if you're going social agenda in this, just to break this down, because I hate to harp on this, but you've already got Father Blackwood, who's being a misogynistic asshole at this point. You've already established. Mm-hmm. Established that the jocks in the in the school are pure, you know, misogynistic assholes. So you got the female, you know, like empowerment struggle going on, anyways, and that's the main focus of the show. You've got Rosalind during this season who goes temporarily blind, and you know, as she's becoming the cunning woman and all that, which is actually pretty cool. I like that little bit of lore. Yeah, I did like that. Um, which is kind of like a Christian woman with witch-like powers, but you've got her like you know being picked on and all that, you know, and having to deal with the struggles of being temporarily blinded. I think if I and this kind of blends in there, and I could be wrong about this, but I think this is when uh, Harvey's, like, you know, kind of doing his mopey thing because he don't really, you know, he he's his, uh, I think this might have been the season where his brother died, and, like, you know, he blames Sabrina for a bunch of stuff. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you, you, you've got, I mean, so you got, you know, the white male being kind of like the dick, you know, and, and all that. So you've got all this other stuff in there, and then you have to throw Theo's story in on top of it. I just felt like it was a little too much. It didn't, like I said, it did not fit into the overall theme of what they were doing and made the character look bad in the process, which is the worst sin that it had. Well, I think on the contrary, um, like I, I didn't like this season the least. It definitely wasn't my favorite. But this is going to actually support what you're talking about in terms of why even have this if it's not going to amount to anything because Theo's story in season two for me, I'm going to be very honest with you, was forgettable. There was so many other cooler things going on. And look, I'm not to saying that, you know, I don't, it's, you know, the storyline doesn't, it didn't fit at all with the season. I think they could have done a better way of including it and maybe little by little adding to it here and there, not just shoving it in your face, shoving it down somebody's throat and saying, enjoy this, and then walking away. No, 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 <laughs> you know carry on with it a little bit. Um, I'm not saying drag it on or anything, but well, you're right. It was just a, here's some, here's a narrative real quick. And then, wow, look at all of this awesome shit that's happening. I, look at, I'm like a squirrel. Okay. I see something shiny. I'm going to turn in that direction. <laughs> and I completely forgot about 
what had happened with Theo's story. When you brought it up, all I remembered is, oh, yeah, she wanted to try out for the, or excuse me, she, when she was turning into he, wanted to try out for the men's basketball or the boys' basketball team and couldn't fucking, you know, make the team. So they had to use magic to enhance them, and that made it look weaker. Yeah, it's, I mean, and, and I agree with you. I didn't think about this, but if they would have worked, I mean, it would have been fine if they would have added that plot in there and, like, you know, kind of metered it out a little bit throughout the season and kind of slowed it down. But it literally was like the show, I mean, in my mind at least, and, and that's uh, that's all I can go by is just how it stood out, is, like, they, yeah. they literally, like, you know, push Sabrina to the side, like, get out of the way, bitch, you know, and, like, you know, here, here's the story we really want, and, like, you know, and it was Theo's story for, like, I want, it felt like two or three episodes. It probably wasn't that yeah. long, but it, it felt that way, and then then it went back, and it was like, okay, we got Theo sorted out. Let's go back to Sabrina, and it just did not fit whatsoever. Yeah, and every time, I mean, once we moved on, it was like, oh, okay, now we're on to the, to the main stuff because it just didn't fit. Now, they did try to pepper here and there, by the way, Theo's a boy. By the way, Theo's a boy. Oh, look, Theo's interested in a guy, but Theo's a guy. So are they gay? Are they, what What are oh, they? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, there was that questioning. That was peppered, but it still didn't, like, it, it feels like it didn't support a whole transgender situation or gay or bi relationship. It just was like, here, we need this. I feel like we're required to have this or else we're not woke. Yeah, it, so. that's that's exactly the feeling I got out of it. It was just like, hey, we've got this agenda that we've got to push out there. We're we're hitting, and and they have. I mean, I'll give them credit. They they hit the female empowerment slash you know you know misogyny uh, aspect. They hit it well. They yeah. they they addressed that issue consistently, and they did it in a way that worked naturally into the story. But they were like, we're hitting that so well. Let's bring something else in there. We got we got like, what can we yeah. do? And and I and and I think you mentioned maybe that the char- that the actors in real life was transitioning, and maybe that's where they got the idea for this. But I just feel like, you know, uh, yeah, it feels like it was forced. But it, at the same time, the character that played Theo's love interest, um, I'm gonna say boyfriend, because technically, you know, he was a guy in the show and is a guy in real life. Yeah. he is a straight male, and I'm like. Uh, is that how we want to approach this? It just feels like a disservice to the transgender and bi culture, you know? I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Like, I, I'm not transgender or bi, so I guess I can't speak on that. Um, if they liked it, I hope it meant something to them. But I do know a few people that are like, no, I did not appreciate that at all. Like, that's not – there's so many better ways to represent us. Well, that I mean – I bring that up about the the getting on the team because I mean I remember at the time you know I was upset that it was hijacking the show and then I you know and I read some actual articles and they brought up the same issue they was like this is not you know trans you know this does not in- give a good image on transgender people whenever you've got Sabrina having to step in and you know so I mean if nothing else that whole thing of making Theo like this power hungry I've got to fit in you know that that whole plot line it completely ruined the character anyways, or at least was a misstep, yeah. a huge misstep, if you don't even want to take it, I mean, if you just want to drop all the rest of it and say, you know, that's fine, let them work into their issue, but, I mean, that's not how you make us connect to a character who's struggling whenever they're using any and all, you know, things to, to come out the other side. They're basically the villain at that point, and it just, it's, it does a disservice to Theo as a character. Yeah. Now, in terms of, oh, goodness, what we were just talking about, um, oh, what for me in this season, what overshadowed 
the, the unfortunately the situation with Theo and kind of bringing that character to light was I have to bring up because I want to see if you agree with me or not when uh, Sabrina was resurrected that was fucking badass oh yeah the, the, the she looked like she needed to be exercised <laughs> The Didn't she have a demonic voice and everything? Oh yeah, the the scene with uh, when she comes back and she's I think she's flying or floating at one point and she's yeah. got like the aura around her and like you know just they they did a good job with that. That actually was pretty cool. Oh, that that was I a badass it. scene. It was creepy as fuck. So <laughs> and that after that, like I said, forgot everything else because it was like, well, you gonna have that kind of badassery in there. I do have to agree. That is the one scene that stands out for me. Um, other than the fact that, that Lucifer reveals himself in this season, and you finally see, you know, the actor, and which we can, you know, I might as well say it right now. He, after you've watched Lucifer, the other Netflix show, you know, with uh, Tom, what's his last name, the actor who plays Lucifer in that show. Uh, Ellis. Why was I thinking Tom, Tom Welling from fucking Superman? I, I thought Tom <laughs> Welling. He was in that show too, but he played uh, as Tom Ellis, I believe, is his name. But anyways, okay. he is such a good Lucifer. And whenever you watch this and oh, you see yeah. this guy, it's like he does a fine job, but he is such a letdown after you watch the other Lucifer. So it was kind of, I mean, it's kind of got that going for it too. It's like you're waiting and you're waiting yeah. and you finally see Lucifer, and it's like, oh, okay, he, he's okay. You know, <laughs> he's not even as charismatic as the Tom Ellis Lucifer, so you know. I don't think he was meant to be, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, it. it you know, it, it's one of those things. It's just, it's kind of a letdown, you know. But Battle of the Lucifers, shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> that does get us in the season three, though, which I think we both agree is the best season of the show. The best season, yes. It has a much more coherent myth arc for the 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 se- or season arc. The episode structure and the season arc work together. I mean, because it, it's it's a simple one, but it works. And and on top of that, the lore that they bring into it is excellent. You got this whole oh yes, you've got the whole uh, the season arc itself. The the main one, uh, it's and it kind of bifurcates at one point. But the main one is that Sabrina is now in charge of hell. She's being uh, kind of run ragged trying to take care of that and trying to be a human and it's not really working or you know just being her regular half human half witch self and she can't really keep both of them up uh there happens to be uh, uh somebody who challenges her authority of the throne which is this character named caliban and i love the fact they brought caliban in there because that is you know kind of a uh, fictional character that's kind of you know in you know in out there and i thought that was neat that they brought him in you know kind of the character made out of clay and and that sort of thing and it and when they bring him in, it's kind of got that weird, like, when I think that vision of hell, if I remember right, was kind of had this weird, uh, uh, like, almost Oz-like thing where, she, you know, Sabrina was, like, going through hell and she saw, like, the different, you know, like, there was a tin man, a scarecrow type yeah. thing, you know. It, it had a really cool, you know, interpretation of how hell was, and, and she meets Caliban along the way. But anyways, he becomes her main... Uh, you know, the main person that's challenging her authority. And then, of course, the lords of, of hell at the time dictate that some that since he's challenged her authority, that there has to be a ruler. They need to settle it by, you know, way of some kind of competition. And they come upon the idea that whoever recovers the unholy regalia becomes the new ruler of hell. And it kind of, and that kind of works into the season as, you know, episode after episode, they're trying to figure out how to get to the, you know, the newest one or how to maybe, first of all, they got to locate them and then they've got to figure out actually how to obtain them. And I, and I just, it fits so naturally into the season and it's such a good thing. I mean, we got, 
as far as lore goes with these things, we've got King Herod's crown. And, I mean, that right there is awesome. That I mean, they would even bring that in there, you know, because the biblical in- implications and everything and, and, the, and the character, the way they brought him in there. Like, he, if whoever has his crown, like, he basically hunts down to, you know, endlessly, you know, to murder. So they got to figure out how to way to get away from Herod. Um, Pontius Pilate's bowl. There's that whole scene where uh, I think they have to go to Golgotha, and it's like kind of trapped in this never-ending time loop, and, and there's that whole thing that's kind of cool with it. Um, you got Judas's pieces of silver. Um, that's uh, actually held in the in the TV show by Vlad the Impaler. I thought that was a cool little bit of lore that they added in. Oh yeah, I liked that. And 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 I thought that the way that they you know portrayed you know especially Vlad the Impaler was really cool. Like they they had a really cool. I mean, it played on the fact that he was kind of like you know a vampire, but then they you know they didn't go the full vampire route, and that was really neat. But, yeah, I liked it. They just kind of stuck with him as a character, not so much, oh, I'm a vampire, I'm going to suck your blood, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, it, th- those, I mean, particular things, you know, just the those items, I mean, they, they just work, there's such good, you know, lore that they came up with to kind of tie those in, and it just, I, and, and, and like I said, the competition structure where they've got to figure out where they're at, they've got to, you know, go obtain them, they've got the challenges, it just, it's it's so good for, like, just the structure of the season. My favorite thing about the regalia was the fact that the person who obtains them, then they get to melt them down and make the morning star. Oh, yeah, which I that is was true. Cool. Yeah. Um, and of course, at the same time, they've got all that going on. Uh, there's like a, another side plot, which is actually handled pretty well, where the, you know, the, the witches in the, the former Church of Night uh, are now weakened. Uh, they don't, they no longer, you know, because they cast Lucifer, you know, into Nick Scratch and kind of, and cast him into hell, they no longer get power from Satan. So they're kind of like struggling to kind of figure out, you know, where do they get their, their you know, abilities from. And uh, for a bit, they try to worship Lilith and they get a little bit of benefit from that. But then, uh, you know, Lucifer breaks free at one point he punishes them you know for worshiping Lilith so they kind of got to break away from that but at the same time they've got all that going on there's this group of like creatures uh pagan creatures and, and pagan witches I guess called hedge witches that move into Greendale <laughs> yeah and they, they're masquerading as like these uh, and hedge witches are more like this ancient ancient like you know magic or whatever it has nothing to do with Christianity it's more like uh, you know just natural earth magic and that sort of thing and Which they come, is, yeah. That's what pagans kind of stick to nowadays, too. I mean, yeah. actual pagan witches, if you will. Yeah, and it, and it's a cool bit of lore. Uh, they're coming into the town. They they masquerade as carnies, which has its own kind of cool thing. You know, the creepy carnival is yeah. coming to you know Greendale, and kind of everybody's you know attracted to the carnival. They have to go for some reason, and and the whole thing that the hedge witches are trying to do is they're trying to use the I guess the souls or the the you know the people of Greendale to power up and revive this ancient god that they worship called the Green Man, which is more like a wicker man type thing, which is yeah. It's 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 neat. I, I I thought I mean as a side plot to the you know all of Sabrina's stuff, it was a cool way to work in both the mortal realm and the, and the realm of hell and kind of make one cohesive story because at the end of it, you know they they kind of combine you know because um, <clears throat> it it turns out later on. Um, after all this is said and done that, you know, uh, uh, Sabrina kind of gets caught in hell. She gets tricked by Caliban 
And then there's this whole apocalypse uh, episode or apocalyptic episode where it shows what happened when she, while she was trapped in hell. Caliban came to Earth, waged war. The Hedge Witches took out the the rest of the members of the church. I think Ambrose is the only one left alive. And you know, like I said, he has really came into his own at this point. Like uh, later, earlier in the season, they they have their first ties, and that's another thing I love about this season. They have their ties to Lovecraft because when they find Father Blackwood, he's been in Scotland, off in the middle of nowhere, like worshiping the, the elder gods, and they bestow upon him like this egg. And it's like some kind of, you know, terrible creature that if it hatches, it's going to, you know, possibly destroy everything. And Ambrose has been like taking care of it since then, you know, and it turns out that it, you know, it's a MacGuffin, you know, a big MacGuffin, Deus Ex Machina type thing, but it turns out that it's like a it's something they use to reset time with. And whenever they do, that allows, you know, Sabrina to kind of go back and, you know, prevent the apocalypse from happening as it did. But uh, in the process, you know, leads into the fourth season, she uh, creates this like time loop doppelganger of herself. And, you know, and that's that existence of two Sabrinas, one Morningstar, you know, one Spellman is what actually causes the Eldritch Terrors to focus on Greendale. And, and that's what sets up our fourth season. Um is there anything else about this season that you really like, Urena? Um, yes, actually, one of my favorite quotes was from Mrs. Wardwell. Okay, so Mrs. Wardwell says to Sabrina, um, one of her quotes was, some of the greatest artists have been used in hell as their subject in such an authentic way. It's as if somehow they have seen or visited the place. And you get that scenery and that artwork in this season but it kind of makes you think of, of artwork that's out there that you're just looking at and you're like, oh, my God, has this artist actually been to hell in their <laughs> mind? You know, have they visited? Have they seen it in their dreams? What is the situation? I'm like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. And I think that really is a good kind of explanation of this season yeah. in general. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. It's just something that kind of stood out to me. Uh, there was one character I forgot, and I and I hate that I didn't mention uh, Mambo Marie. I thought uh, that yes. was uh, bringing voodoo into this show was another. You know, it's like okay, that makes total sense. You know, so that I thought that oh, they character. have all kinds of witches and sorcery. It's primarily the witches, so not having voodoo in here would be just a disservice to you know witchcraft in general. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I agree with you on that, and I do like what they did with that character. Yeah, uh, and especially, and that's one of the highlights to me for season four, which we'll get into in a few minutes. But uh, what they, what's revealed about Mambo Marie, uh, uh, whenever uh, you know what she ultimately is, I think that's that was a very very cool reveal. Oh, um, it really was. Yes, and how they how they designed the character was probably my fucking favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean, there's a lot to like about this season. I mean, obviously we we both loved it, but I mean, it like I said, it had the consistency, it had the lore that we both love. It never dropped. I mean, this season above all of them in my opinion, you know, kept up or improved uh upon any of the, you know, like production quality and all that. Like just every like the creatures they come up with for this season were amazing. I mean, for, you know, yeah. so before we get into the fourth season, which is what, you know, just aired and what just made us decide to create this discussion there's a little bit of news and this kind of you know gives the hint as to what you know the kind of the vibe going into the fourth season deadline reported on january 10th uh, which is just a few days back that a tweet by the official twitter account of chaos um, caused outrage due to references to bloody sunday now apparently the people who run the twitter uh, netflix twitter account uh, for 
Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, decided that they would show pictures of Karen and Chipka, uh, Sabrina, covered in blood, and, and then, which would have been fine. There was, you know, I don't think anybody would have cared about that. It fits with the show, you know, and everything else. But somebody had to, the poor decision to put on there something about Bloody Sunday because it was a Sunday when they posted it and they posted the pictures. And, of course... Anybody who's ever listened to U2, not to mention, you know, the fact that it's, you know, <laughs> has any bit of history or knowledge, you know, about history, uh, knows that there was an actual bloody Sunday that happened in, Northern, I believe it's Northern Ireland in like the 79, where a bunch of people were killed. And like, so, you know, there's a lot of people saw this, thought that they were kind of making, you know, an offensive and poorly thought out, you know, kind of like joke at their expense and, you know, Twitter being the butthurt babies they are, they, you know, flipped out. So, I mean, it was just one more thing that the the show, in addition to the fourth season, which we're getting ready to go into, it was just one more thing on top, you know, icing on the cake. It was like, okay, they, uh, which I'll go ahead and say, spoiler alert, I feel like it's a weak season, especially to end the show on. But, I mean, for them. It was disappointment. It was. That, if, if any word summarized, it's disappointment. But, I mean, for them to have this headline or, you know, this information come out on top of the, you know, the reaction people's had to the last season was just, it's like getting kicked in the nuts. I mean, it was, you know, it was just ridiculous. Okay, devil's advocate here, though. You think for those people that haven't seen Chaos or maybe wasn't sure if they're going to watch the final season, which why the fuck wouldn't you if you've seen the other seasons? And let's just (laughs) stick with the people that haven't seen it. Maybe they're like, hey, I'm going to check this show out now. Because, you, I mean, come on now. They... Any I mean, kind of news or any kind of attention is is good attention, no matter even if it's negative. Yeah, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. That that could be the case. I mean, um, I don't know if that. And was I don't their... think they did it intentionally. You know, I don't think they're like, oh, let's do something. You know, let's talk about people that were killed during a protest during times where protests are a big deal. Right, and you know, as of late. I don't think they did it intentionally. I truly think it was an accident, but now I feel like people are going to be like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things where... Check that out. It's like, I didn't know there was a show like this. Let me check that thing out, you know? That could be the case. I mean, and and I'm I'm with you. I don't think they intentionally meant this. It's just one of those things where you say it, and then it's just like, you know, open mouth and cert foot. You know, it's like, okay, what am I going to (laughs) do? But that does bring us in to season four, the very last season, at least on Netflix of chaos which we were so excited for we were you could tell by the last episode we swore we you know before we did the podcast for krampus that we would not include any news and whenever it came out there was some news about this show coming back and we we put it in there that's how excited we were about this show coming back and man (laughs) what just just like you said what a disappointment I mean, yeah, uh, now I didn't even know about Eldritch Terrors until you started talking to me about it. Now, granted, I knew about them. I just wasn't familiar with them. I didn't, you know, read all of Lovecraft. I've only known, uh, obviously, Cthulhu, you know? Yeah, yeah. Things and like that's... that. So this was uh, kind of new to me, and I'm not going to even pretend like this was a great way to learn about them. <laughs> It's well. That's the sad thing, and and if anything, that's why I'm mostly disappointed this last season because they the time egg and the way they handled it in the last season and a little bit of hints and everything was so perfect. I mean, it was it was as Lovecraftian as you can get. You've got you know Father Blackwood on the edge of a lake, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, and you know in Scotland, you know, worshiping. You know, I think he's getting ready to sacrifice one of the, one or both of the twins at that point, and you know he's 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 cra- half you know crazy eyed, you know, half insane, and he's you know, trying to summon down these elder elder gods. That is the perfect, you know, interpretation of Lovecraft. So when I saw that scene, I was like, 
they've got this. When they said they were announcing the Eldritch Terrace for this season, I was like, they know what they're doing. This is going to be perfect. And then we got the season we did, which I don't know. I, we'll get into it. But the one thing I did like, I'm going to throw it out there first. I like the fact that, you know, they, they had Father Blackwood change his name. Called They called him Reverend Lovecraft. He started up the Church of, yes. of Lovecraft, basically. Uh, the Church of the Eldritch Terrors. I, that was great. I mean, that that was a neat little thing that they did, and I really enjoyed it. But, and let's just break it down episode by episode. We've got, they, they set this season up, and this is the first failing of the season. And if you ask me, I think this is where they went wrong. They had eight episodes left in this season. I don't know if they were given any more, but eight's all they got, all we what, what we got. And they decided that they would address an Eldritch Terror, a, a unique one, or thereabouts in every single episode. Now, I think personally, what they would have been better off served is to slow drip the the plot, have one big, big bad Eldritch Terror that you know, because when most people think of Lovecraft, they, I mean, he had some stories about you know, like these humanoid type characters, and we'll get into that, and that's part of my disappointment. But when people think of him, they think of these big tentacled monsters, you know, that are you know crazy angled they've got parts that they shouldn't have when you look at them you get driven insane instantly because they're things that shouldn't exist and you know in any kind of you know natural occurrence in any way shape or form and you, uh, this show could have done that if they would have saved their budget if they would have you know meted out the story a little bit at a time and then saved it up for maybe the last two episodes i think it'd been perfection they would have ended on a high note it would have been great but what they decided to do was do it eight individual eldritch, eldritch terrors, and they were mostly a miss. I'm, I'm sorry, they were. I mean, at least for me. I mean, Urena, you can speak to, you no, know. No, they were. Like I said, not the best way to learn about them because I started reading up on them maybe after the second episode, and I'm like, okay, what's going to be the next one? What's going to be this? What's going to be that? And I really didn't get a good interpretation from the show. And the interpretations of each terror was pretty weak, in my opinion. It's, and I hate to say this, because, I mean, it's another show that we love that just ended. But you go back to Supernatural, and one of the biggest issues most fans will complain about, if they're going to complain about Supernatural, it's not nothing about Jared or Jensen, the, not great through the whole series. It's the fact that whoever created the show mostly stuck with humanoid monsters i mean you you never had there was one hint one of the episodes and that was the lovecraft episode where they had like a tentacle come out of like this portal before it got you know disappeared away that there was any kind of thing but like a humanoid looking monster in the whole series but every other we, we got one fucking episode on that show where there was dragons and they looked like people and they had gold eyes or some bullshit i mean that's that was the biggest complaint at least I don't know if you had that, but I had that about the show. Like, they didn't really branch out. I mean, you had, you maybe had a little bit of a difference whenever you had the, uh, the, the, you know, Dick Roman character, you know, or creatures or whatever that came out, but, uh, I, they, they were humanoid after a point too. So, um, I mean, am I off base in that assumption? Is that, or is that kind of how you felt about that? Well, at first I didn't agree with you because we did talk about this and you're like, you know, are you upset that they're human? And I'm like, well, to be honest with you at that point, and I had told you, I hadn't really known them any, <laughs> in any form other than Cthulhu. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, and so at first I was like, I think it's kind of cool that they were, you know, it's supposed to be the scary entity and, but yet it's a person, but then. I don't know. I, like I said, I wasn't impressed after a while. I mean, the only non-humanoid we get, and I'm not going to skip, but, I mean, episode three, the weird. Yeah. yeah. You know, and even then, it was this well, tiny little... <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's just break down, okay? The the, yeah. the first one we come into this is the dark. That's the first episode. 
Um, it's based upon the darkness. It's a, that's Lovecraft used that term. It's just an all-consuming dark that you know uh, wipes out all light and you know hope and everything else. It's kind of a you know more of a concept than it is actual creature. Um, I thought this one was okay. I mean, they couldn't. I mean, yeah. they, they represented the darkness that you you said it yourself, and like back and forth, we was talking about this about how the lighting was just on point, and it was like I mean, they they it was so dark at times, and the way that the these these empty miners were basically going through and busting out the lights and making everything you know into pure darkness. It was a good concept. It was a good way to start. I can't complain about this oh, episode. Yeah. And I have to emphasize when you say empty miners, they were literally, I mean, it looked like there was a person walking around in that costume. But when it got down to the inside, there was literally nothing there. No, there wasn't. And and, and anybody who's ever watched Doctor Who, going back to that, because Michelle Gomez and, you know, that sort of thing, uh, there was an episode. It was, Of course, it was a previous Doctor. It was David Tennant. But one of the ones that he's mainly known for is uh, the empty child. And it's it's a very similar uh, creepy concept. You got this kid walking around a blown out, you know, World War II uh, I think it's Britain, uh, you know, and then he's got this gas mask on and all he goes around asking is, uh, are you my mummy? You know, and like he just, that's all he asks. Like, and you, it's like, what is this creepy kid? What, why did, why can't we see his face? And it's, and it's such a good concept and, and, and they kind of ripped it off a little bit, I felt like, but at the same time it works. I mean, you know, that, yeah. just, that empty suit, you know, the, the faceless individuals that are just going around spreading this darkness everywhere. Um, Which is funny because I got the Plague Doctor vibe kind of almost from this. <laughs> it, it had a little bit of that too, but yeah, it's, I mean, uh, and I liked how they resolved this one. They, they you know, they used a spell, I think, powered by Hecatate, you know, and the rest of the church members. Uh, Ambrose kind of provided the link for them because when Sabrina got, she thought she could just use her powers that she had, her and her other Sabrina, uh, the, yeah. the two Sabrinas thought they could just use their powers and they it, it turned out that the, the hopelessness and the depression of this creature or this entity was just so much that it was weighing them down that they that they couldn't continue on and it was it was Ambrose again you know great Ambrose that you know was like okay we got to have the you know and the church came in there and gave them the spark they needed to you know banish the, the darkness that was a cool way to end this episode I like that but we come to the second episode. <laughs> yeah. We come to the second episode, and it's called The Uninvited. Now, this, I didn't know about this character. I actually researched this right before we came on to do this podcast. This is actually loosely based on a creature that that um, Lovecraft himself came up with called The Outsider, which is actually a really cool friggin' story. It's it's he, he was channeling a little bit of Edgar Allan Poe when he wrote it, and it was basically about this Victorian creature. Uh, I, I want to say person because he thinks he's a person. But he's living in a castle. He's always lived in the castle. He's never known anything but the castle. He's never been outside. He's never been exposed to any other humans. He's desperately lonely. He or n- no other creature. Period. He's he's only existed as himself in this this place. So he works his way out of the castle. He, which actually turns out that he's been living underground this entire time because whenever he finds his way up and he he to the top of the castle and he opens a trap door, it's actually on ground level which is your first hint that something's messed up. You know, he came from underground. And he travels the land, and he eventually finds another castle where it's populated by people. 
And he comes in there and he tries to befriend them and they, they run away in sheer abject terror. They can't stand to be anywhere near him and he can't figure it out. And he thinks that it's because something scary is standing just out of his eyesight. So he's trying to figure out what it is that's around him that's scaring the other people. So he goes through yeah. the castle and he's trying to look for this creature that caused, you know, his, you know, these people or the, his new friends to run away. And the ultimate reveal of the story is that whenever he finally sees the creature and he, and the, and, Lovecraft describes it this way. It's like this ghastly creature that's like half rotted flesh. It's like, you know, it uh, looks older than, you know, anything, you know, any other carcass and, you know, humanity. It's basically like this living dead, you know, type zombie thing. When he finally. Oh, yeah. I just pulled up an image. Yeah. When he, fi- <laughs> when he finally finds the creature and he goes up to touch it, and when he touches the hand of the creature, he doesn't touch a hand. He touches the smooth mirror, the finish of a mirror. Yeah, the mirror. So he's the, the undead creature. So that, that's, that's kind of like, and it's creepy as hell. I mean, when the concept of it, like he doesn't know that he's like this undead thing. Um, and it fits his story, and actually. And then we have the Sabrina one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. If they if they would have done that in this show, that would have been amazing, and they kind of did, yeah. but not really. Um, what we get was they really only fleed because he stunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he stunk, and he was covered in like what looked like blood or something. That's what everybody wanted to leave him. It's like, oh, this dirty homeless bum. You know, it's like I don't want to be around him. He stinks like death. It's like okay, but that that's their interpretation they went with, and that that's the first major disappointment I had with this. Whenever I saw this this vagrant, I was like, okay, that's what we're going to get is these you know humanoid, nothing really supernatural looking about them type characters. It's kind of cool in a way, plot wise or lore wise, because. And I don't know if you, I mean, as a Catholic, if you had this going on, I know that, you know, Protestants kind of have this like little play they put on at times where it's like there's this family and they're waiting for like, I think it's Jesus to show up, you know, at the door. They're, you know, he's one of their guests for the evening or something like that. It's, it's something similar to that. And they get visited three times throughout the night by different people and that they're not what they expect Jesus to look like and they turn them away every time. And when Jesus finally shows up at the end of the night, they're, you know, he, he tells them, he's like, I showed up three times and I asked for your help and you never showed up. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the, you know, a par- you know, like a parable version of, you know, like being denied three times uh, and, and that sort of thing. But, and I kind of got that vibe from this. I don't know if they were intentionally doing that, but this character kind of reminded me of that, you know, that, that, you know, that kind of Christian, you know, parable of, you know, yeah. turning Jesus away at the doorstep. No, I'm going to be completely honest with you. As soon as I saw him and he looked creepy and I was like, okay, <laughs> it, it, he didn't look creepy. He just looked dirty and old. I'm like, and my first immediate thing was help him. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought of was, oh my God, this could be like, you know, uh, a savior of sorts. And if you help them, it's going to be good. I didn't think if you didn't help him, he's going to fucking eat your heart. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He literally, I mean, you're, if you don't help him, you're heartless and you literally will be heartless. That's, that's the route they decided to go with him. Yeah. I, I was blown away by that. Cause I was like, oh my God, I knew that <laughs> I like you should help him, but that's not what I was thinking. Okay, let's go. Let's, let's go with this. And I do have to say, I mean, I like the fact that they worked uh, Roz's, you know, cunning into this episode. Yeah, uh, like, come in. Uh, sure, let's, do you want something yeah, to eat? Would you like yeah, some water? Yeah, and Harvey's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, and it's like, you know, <laughs> oh, we got to let him in. It's bad stuff if he doesn't come in here, you know. Um, exactly. But I don't, there's a couple of things. I, I thought it was ridiculous later that whenever he cleaned himself up, they they wouldn't let him into the, the wedding uh, at all 
for uh, Sabrina's aunt. Like they were told two things. They were told to keep out the person, and I, you'll have to remind me of this. The person they were trying to keep out. They were trying to keep somebody out of the church, and they were trying to let him in. Whoever the Eldritch Terror was. Uh, there was somebody that was trying to infiltrate the. It was an incubus. They were trying to find the inc- the person who was inhabited oh, by the yes. incubus, <laughs> and they totally did the reverse. Like it's like, oh, this guy, yeah. you know, this, look, this clean guy. He clearly can't be the Eldritch Terror because that guy was supposedly this homeless bum that stunk. And they all they literally did. Father Blackwood had to do was like just basically give him a damn bath or something. I mean that. I don't, yeah, exactly. Oh my god. So and and then you know. So of course you got you know later on you got the incubus there you and you and you've got the eldritch terror, and the one thing, the another thing that disappointed me about this is I hate how they took Dorian Gray out of this. I, I don't think I mentioned him oh, earlier, yeah. but I love the fact they worked Dorian Gray into this whole you know series anyways because that is a really underrated. I mean at least. Everybody thinks of like Frankenstein, you know, Dracula, when they think of Victorian type horrors, you know, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. But Dorian Gray is probably, in my opinion, one of the best ones, if not the best, just because he's a plain human who has somehow been cursed and he's just a rotten rotten person i mean like the epitome of the worst you can be and you wouldn't know it because he never ages and he's beautiful but his his you know picture that hangs up that is actually the one thing you can kill him with is is just hideous because it shows what his soul is truly like and yeah i thought that you know that was really cool they worked dorian gray and his picture into this but to have him just you know have his heart ripped out by the eldritch terror and that's how he went out man that was such a shitty i mean i don't know i i thought it was a bad way to take him uh, that character out of the storyline i mean you're not alone <laughs> i i agree with you and i was reading online like that was a bullshit way for dorian gray to die and i was thinking okay what are they talking about and then i was, then it clicked and i was like oh shit and yeah lots of people agree what the fuck were you doing like really he he meant nothing he had more significance in this series almost than theo Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I would argue when we get to the end of this that he probably had more significance than than Theo because Theo, I mean, they just spoiler alert, they do nothing with Theo as a character. They actually make Theo's boyfriend more of a, uh, you know, character in this than they do Theo. So, um, so you got that. I don't, I was, I'm kind of torn on how they got rid of this Eldritch Terror because it was good in a way because, the, you know, Sabrina tricked him with kindness and it was kind of, you know, you kind of felt bad for the Eldritch Terror too because of the fact that... Sure did. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, he gets this one bit of kindness and it's just, you know, and she's tricking him to stay in this dollhouse for the rest of eternity. Um, so It's obviously his weakness though in any way because he can't he can't do anything unless you deny him, so... If you're kind to him, he's just like, well, I guess I got to go move on and rip someone else's heart out, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, and the lore behind him I thought was kind of neat. I mean, they talked about how he was a, a you know, kind of hinting back to the actual Lovecraft story. He was a creature that, you know, existed before humanity. He found the first humans. They turned away from him in terror and cast him out. And now he's been, you know, uh, basically, you know, making them pay for it since, you know, that happened. But I don't know. They're... I just, like I said, I don't like how he took out Dory, and I don't like how he basically just, they gave him a bath and cut his hair, and, you know, oh, that's not the Eldritch Terror, because he's too, that's so stupid. I mean, it just, uh, and then, to top this off, because I know you've got words to say about this, the song that <laughs> was performed during the wedding ceremony by, you know, uh, Harvey and, and his band, I'm just going to say it, in, the, in honor of um, This is Spinal Tap, 
in which movie there is my favorite line ever in a movie about their, they, they had one of their albums and there was a two word review of it. And it was uh, the, their album was called shark sandwich. And they, and somebody just said shit sandwich was the name of the, the, the two word review for their album. I'm just going to call their song radio doo and in, in honor of that. <laughs> I hated this so much. I, I mean, cause I was obviously having a really hard time with the musicals in general as I kept uh, messaging you about it. Um, yeah, Fright Club first off, which is the name of the band. Yeah. This was terrible. I, I couldn't. I had a really hard time with this song. And I'm like, at a wedding? Why are you singing this at a wedding? It didn't, me- it didn't make sense to me. And I don't know, am I alone there? Uh, no, it didn't fit the the episode. It didn't fit uh, the wedding itself. I mean, it didn't. There was If you're going to put a song in into this show i would think that it would, should have some thematic you know symbolism and i don't i don't know i, I i've honestly never been a big fan of this song i know a lot of people probably think that's weird because i mean you know freddie mercury it's you know radio gaga it's the greatest thing ever you know lady gaga based her name off of it it's it's fine it's just not it's not that great of a song in my opinion and it just didn't fit anything in this i mean there's you got an eldritch terror that you know just wants to be loved by people and then you got a wedding what does radio gaga have anything to do with that at all it's more of a like it's about i feel like because they talk about it right at the beginning uh my only friend through teenage nights it's like uh, you save this for a high school dance not a wedding well there's so many other songs if they're wanting to you know convey that sense of loneliness of, of seeking out others i mean you've literally got all of every other song in hi- human history which are you know i mean my god just pick a country song if you want to go that route if you're talking about people <laughs> that are lonely but i mean it's it's it, it just did not fit uh, at all. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I feel nauseated. We need to move on. <laughs> okay, speaking of nauseated, the weird. Um, this <laughs> one... This one, I kind of like this one. I actually kind of like this one, too. This one is actually based upon Cthulhu, obviously. I mean, when you get a uh, cuttlefish-looking octopus creature, you know... That's as Lovecraftian as, you know, anybody in, you know, mainstream is going to know. So, I mean, they, they knew oh, what they yeah. were doing with this one. I really like... Starting out on this episode... Having the fact that the uh, the you know weird was kind of hijacking uh, like a dead pirate or a sunken corpse you know out of the, the yeah that was cool and the effects were cool on that you know that character too like it just soggy and bloated and dripping water I mean it was it, it was it was good I how did you feel about uh, the the dream sequences in this episode that was my favorite I, I th- because I'm a dreamer okay. <laughs> So like when I'm seeing and, and they do because they've done a few dream sequences, I believe, in Sabrina. And it's almost identical to how I dream, especially when I'm having a scary dream <laughs> or a weird dream. So I'm like, I, I, I relate, man. I really like this dream sequence. And more than anything, I loved the color scheme. I I do have to agree. I like how they did it. It was very stylistic. I, like I told you, though, in a back and forth before this, I don't dream like this. I remember the weirdest dream I ever had, and this is a you know weird tangent, but like I had this weird dream that Laurel and Hardy, I don't know if you know who those are, the two comedic actors, you know, from like, I want to say like the 40s or 50s. Anyways, they, they were out in the middle of nowhere randomly with a, a ladder that they were, you know, one was raising toward the sky and the other one was trying to climb up it and there was nobody holding the other side of the ladder and they just kept falling over. And I just kept having this dream. Like, I don't know. Oh my God. So, I mean, and I do remember my dreams because they're they're pretty, I mean, they're, they're a lot more detailed than what was this. I mean, I appreciate what they did, but like, you know, whenever it comes like I mean the the characters in my dreams tend to be like 
fuzzy-ish, like, you know, just random, like, images of people throughout the day or people I know, like, in my mind, but, like, the like the setting itself, like, it, like, I, and like the dreams that they did for Sabrina, they were kind of like, everything was black except what she was focusing on. It was like, you know, just the, the images that, you know, directly pertain to her. But I feel like in my dreams, whenever I dream, that it's like, you know, there's more, you know, the setting, like, cause every, everything's filled in around it. It's just, you know, like the... It's maybe the the people in the background milling around are the ones that are kind of like fuzzed out and kind of, you know, nonsensical, if you want to think of it that way, just kind of like random NPCs yeah. or something in a video game. But um, but I, I appreciate what they did with this. I mean, I liked, you know, I thought it was very stylistic. I, I, I really liked how they made the weird look in her dream because it actually looked more like, you know, a Cthulhu or a Lovecraftian character or creature than yeah. anything in this, you know, entire last season, to be perfectly honest with you. I like the, how they used her, her, her kind of, she was kind of interested in this guy. Oh, yeah. And I like how they kind of utilized him in the dream as a, hey, this is a warning. But she didn't take it as a warning because she's so, Ooh, hey, you know, <laughs> how are you? And I, I thought that was, I thought that was really great. Yeah, there, there was that, and I really liked how it was basically just a parasite that was, like, you know, infecting her body and trying to take over her and everybody else, like, mentally. And I, the, yeah. only thing, the only thing I didn't like was I thought it was kind of cheesy how they defeated this one. It was... Oh, big time. Uh, let's, let's cast a spell to dehydrate her body, nearly killing her. That causes it to mostly come out, leaves a little bit in there, which we realized later. And then... Which was really cool when, when um, Am- Ambrose took, the, like, that photo he took. And you just see like it up in her brain, like. I actually like that. I do have to say that another thing for Ambrose, but that's also the thing they came up with for the show. The fact that he had like that basically magical X-ray, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I got it. Man, I thought it was too. But then whenever they like get the remaining part out of her, they just put it in like a frozen tank or put it in a tank and freeze it. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, if that's that's how we're going to defeat this one, just freeze it. I mean, you know, these are supposed to be like big world-ending monsters. I don't, you know, freezing them in a tank of water, you know, magically or whatever you want to do. I just think that's kind of, uh, it's you know, it's it kind of dumb. And I'm gonna jump ahead just a little bit. Not only are these like supposed to be superpower entities, but they are superpower beings that Lucifer is afraid of and wants nothing to do with. Oh, yeah. Like, he's running around like a little pansy throughout this whole thing. He's like, oh, my God. No, I don't want anything to do with this. That's in your world, not my world. No, I don't want to have anything to do with this. you got to deal with Eldritch Terrors. Let me sit in hell and and mope around. Roll my throne with my (laughs) Sabrina, not you, you know. Um, That was funny. Yeah, but I mean, it's like I said, it it had some good things to it. I mean, it I, I like the fact that they attempted to go outside the humanoid thing with this one. It was an interesting way to do yeah, it. Yeah, we can at least give them that. It's the least they could do using fucking H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, all I gotta say. Yeah, but then we get into the next episode, and that and it goes to complete bullshit because the next episode is the worst one. You might say in the whole series, because I think this is, you know, spoiler alert, your your least like of the seasons. But, I mean, I feel like this is the worst episode of this season. I mean, the perverse is the one in particular I'm talking about, um, which is, I was surprised to learn actually based upon Edgar Allan Poe more than it was actually Lovecraft. Um because whenever I first watched it, I kind of got a vibe of like maybe the Great God Pan, which is an Arthur Mackin uh, story that has been tied into the Cthulhu mythos a little bit. Uh, but I mean, this there's so many things I hate about this episode. First of all, you have the fact that it's the actual Eldritch Terror is just an item. I think that's kind of stupid, kind of a bullshit yeah. thing. 
Uh, you have the fact that it's brought in as a complete MacGuffin. You know, it's uh, there's a random character played by, uh, let's see, James uh, Urbaniak, who plays, uh, um, uh, uh, let's see, on the... Venture Brothers, he plays Dr. Venture. That's his main claim to fame. I mean, he's the voice actor for Dr. Venture. But you have him come mm-hmm. in there, and he's just randomly selling trinkets, and he happens to walk in on Reverend Lovecraft, and he just happens to have an Eldritch Terror that he's selling in his suitcase. I mean, what the hell? Well, he's not selling it. It was stolen from Oh, him. well, he wasn't selling but, it, but he was going around showing people. I mean, what? Uh, uh. <laughs> come on, dude. And not only that, he, he literally introduced himself as a trinket salesman. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, it was the sloppiest writing to get into this episode. I mean, they could have introduced that that you know imp of the perverse you know item in a million different ways, but it's like let's randomly have some bullshit guy come in and you know and and even if this was set in the eighties, which we've you know established or we think it was, I mean there weren't guys going around like this. This was like something from like the fifties or something. I mean, it's so out of you know like even time, you know as far as the story goes, it doesn't it's asynchronous. It doesn't fit. Um, yeah, but he was also finding the people that specifically po- needed the items in his case. Um, what I didn't like is he was constantly, with, okay, I get it being stolen from him, but he was constantly giving them away for free without any real, I wanted a needful thing. Needful things vibe from this guy. You're you're right. There needed to be some kind of thing that some reason for him existing because he literally uh, after this episode does he? I don't even think he might come back for the last episode. Maybe that. uh, Yeah, and it's like where the hell, dude? Where's the? I'll give you a fiddle gold to get your soul. Okay, like (laughs) come on, you have these world changing trinkets in your case, and you're just ah for you. It's for free. Nah, motherfucker. What do you want? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it it makes no sense. Then and then and this is what makes it even worse. We've already talked about how I mean, or at least I, you know, didn't like you know wedging in some kind of like you know a social agenda type thing or whatever into the episode just for you know social agenda's sake. This episode is is nothing but. I mean, and and it's so lazy, so on the nose. I mean, because whenever Father Blackwood gets the Imp of the Perverse, he becomes literally Hitler. I mean, you know, they couldn't have went with any other... You know, the thing that aggravates me is that if you look at history, um, Joseph Stalin ended up killing more people than Hitler, and nobody ever, you know, nobody ever bases any of their bad, bad villains off Stalin. It's, uh, It's, you know, Hitler or nothing, and... I mean, and that's fine. I mean, you know, obviously Hitler was a, you know, burning in hell, terrible person. But, I mean, branch out a little bit. I mean, it would have taken nothing for them to have made him some kind of other villain besides just a Hitler-esque tyrant. I mean, that's, oh my God, it's so lazy. Well, given the political uh, society we're in currently, it was just lazy. Um, they just wanted to, it's like, oh, here, people are talking about this because if you believe this, you're a Nazi. And if you don't believe this, you're amazing. And, you know, and it's, I don't know. I I honestly think that they, this episode in particular could have had great potential had they not, it it was very poorly done. I don't even know how I would have changed this episode. That's how shitty they did it like it wouldn't have it wouldn't have represented anything that this episode had in it. It would have been completely different. I can only imagine it a completely different way. Um, um, because the, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I know. I I don't even know what else to say other than <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I have no well, words. I was, was going to say is is the only thing. <laughs> 
The only thing I can think of about it is that it, it, that was weird was if you're going to have a Hitler-esque person, and I guess this is a good thing because it would have truly dr- been drug into the just the the dredges of that that whole you know. Uh, metaphor is that they somehow uh, Father Blackwood, even though he was hunting for witches and he was trying to find the witches and kill them, he was he's still fine with Theo being transgender, which I, that's cool. I mean, that's that's an interesting twist on this because normally if you do this, you know, shitty plot, you know, this this trope of Hitler, uh, you know, they would have rounded up Theo and 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 his boyfriend along with everybody else right up from the the get go. So at least they didn't go that route. I mean, they did go after you know Theo's boyfriend, but for a different reason so and yeah. i don't and ambrose was literally the only saving thing in this because the, the crazy ambrose god that actor yeah, was so literally good at this. literally <laughs> when when he's sitting there and yeah, just the, and he the way he's the ultimate hero in this episode oh my god the way he stumbles over the words the his visual you know like his the, his face like how he just i mean he's so good in this episode and then, yeah. of course, they the other bullshit thing about this episode is that it's solved by another MacGuffin because it's literally like the, the trinket salesman comes back and Sabrina's like, oh, you got anything? It's like, hey, or take this stone of Amphalos and, you know, this uh, this uh, Greek Titan and, you know, that, you know, ground it up into some soup or some shit and that'll take care of everything. Oh, my Yeah, God. my daughter literally saw that part and she was like, that is so stupid. That's, that's <laughs> just going to magically fix everything. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, what was everything else for? And I go... I don't know. <laughs> and so, I mean, literally. And, and so you got the Eldritch Terror that was just an object. Totally disappointing. You've got all the Deus Ex Machina, the MacGuffins, the, you know, the, I mean, the the tired plot. I mean, there's like outside of Ambrose, there's literally nothing in this episode that I cared for. If you enjoyed this episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Chaos Part 2, please join us again for our next show. Death Holler is brought to you by Blue Collar BS with your host, Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share. We'll catch you next time. And don't forget to bring your death certificate.